Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. Today I'm going to talk about something that a lot of pastors and Christians are talking about today, and you don't hear it from me as much. Certainly you have heard it from me before, you will hear it from me again, but you won't hear it from me as much because I believe it's been overemphasized, and that is the second coming of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I do believe there will be a literal second coming of Christ. There are a lot of Christians that don't believe that. A lot of theologies that don't believe that. I accept that. What I don't accept is when people claim they know for a fact that we're the last generation, they erroneously look at certain prophecies of Scripture to say that it's going to happen in our times. And one of the reasons they say that is that we're living in difficult times, where there is an increase of hostility toward Christianity. And in many parts of the world, Christians are being persecuted and martyred for their faith. But my friends, that's been going on for the last 2,000 years. Prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible predicts a seven-year tribulation, seven years of persecution against Christians, or at least seven years where this man known as the Antichrist comes into power, and he's identified three and a half years into it. So he's in power those seven years. The persecution will go on at least in the last three and a half years. We know this is going to happen, and when we see how bad things are getting, it's easy for people to say, well, maybe the seven-year tribulation is about to come upon us, and then Christ will come. That's possible, but my friends, we could have tribulation without it being the final, ultimate tribulation. In fact, in a future show, I am going to talk about how several times in history the world seems as if it was set up for Christ to return and God had his reasons for postponing it. So I will talk about that. That's for a future show. In the meantime, even though the Bible gives some clear indications that Christ will return and some clear indications of signs to watch for, we are told that nobody knows the day or the hour. Jesus made that so clear. He even said he didn't know. Now, of course, when he was here, although he was God by identity, he had become a human being. He had emptied himself of the mind of God and the power of God. So he means that while he was on earth, he didn't know. Obviously, he's back in heaven now. He's back with the Holy Spirit and the Father. He's ruling and reigning as God again. Obviously, he knows now. But isn't it interesting that while Jesus walked this earth, he said he didn't know when he was returning, and yet we have so many book writers and pastors claiming they know something that Jesus himself said he didn't know. That alone should give us pause. And so that's my first issue that I take. We don't know when Christ is going to return, and I take issue for people claiming they know when. I do not take issue with anybody claiming that it will happen. It will happen. And there are some different kinds of unique events that will characterize it. One of them is called the rapture of the church. Now, rapture comes from a Latin word. It means carrying away. That word rapture is not found in the Bible. The word in the Bible in Greek is harpizo. That's what the New Testament was written in. That comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about this amazing event. As you know, when we go to heaven, we're not going to be there as disembodied spirits. We are going to resurrect just like Jesus did. We will be living out the rest of our lives for all of eternity as resurrected, immortal human beings, sinless, perfect. And that resurrection is a key hope to Christianity. It's a key part of our belief in theology. But the rapture is something very interesting. It includes that resurrection, but there will be some people who never experienced 
death and shortly before the second coming of Christ, as a matter of fact, while he's on his way down, people who are still alive but have given their lives to Jesus will resurrect without experiencing physical death. And that is the event that we call the rapture. First, the dead in Christ rise, then those that are still alive, they immediately transform from the point of view of some other human being that might have been with them, watching them. It'll look like they just disappeared. That event is known as the rapture. Now, I also told you about this event where some man comes into power, some dictator, somebody very charismatic, somebody who comes doing miracles. And the Bible does tell us to beware of the source of miracles. Miracles come from God, but Satan can do counterfeit miracles that are genuinely powerful, but they come from an evil source of power. And this man, this antichrist, also sometimes called the son of perdition or the lawless one, he will come with this power. He will come with this charisma and he will actually rule the entire world. He will eventually call himself God and he will do that by going into the Jewish temple. Now I know what you're thinking right now, there is no Jewish temple. So obviously that temple would need to be rebuilt and it hasn't been rebuilt. But when the Bible talked about this event, there was a temple. There have been two temples in Israel. There will be a third one. The first temple was under Solomon. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. Under Ezra and Nehemiah, the temple was rebuilt. Later, it was beautified by King Herod. That was the temple that Jesus came to, the temple where he cleared people out with the whip. That temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. But the Bible, in discussing the second coming of Christ and the great tribulation of seven years, talks about the Antichrist coming three and a half years into this tribulation, setting up a throne in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God used to be, where only the high priest was allowed to go on the day of Yom Kippur, and even he only once a year. And he sets up a throne there, declares himself as God, and commands everybody around the world to worship him as God. And nobody will be allowed to buy or sell if they do not worship him. Many professing Christians in those days will cave in, capitulate. Many will not, and they will be martyred and executed. Some may survive to the end. Apparently, some will survive to the end. Because like I said, when Jesus returns and raptures his church, church just means a gathering of his people. When that happens, there will be some Christians that are still alive. And this leads into the main point I want to make today. There's great discussion amongst Christians about the order between the rapture of the church and the tribulation. One common view is called the pre-tribulation rapture. That says Jesus will come, snatch up his people, and then the seven-year tribulation will begin. And some say, yeah, but when we read about the seven-year tribulation, we see Christians being martyred by the Antichrist. And their answer is, well, yeah, but those are people that get saved afterwards. But the rapture is going to come first. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Certainly, that's what I would like to believe. I'm sure that's what you would like to believe, that we're going to just be snatched up and avoid all this persecution. And one of the arguments for the rapture, and there's several of them, a lot of them aren't very good, but the only one that makes sense that ought to at least raise our eyebrow is the imminency of Christ's return. When Christ says, nobody knows the day or the hour, you see the point I'm making. If, in fact, we're going through the tribulation, and we know Know that three and a half years into the tribulation, halfway through the Antichrist is going to come, and then Christ is going to return after the tribulation is over, then we will know the day or the hour. We'll be able to say, ah, that's the Antichrist. He's coming in three and a half years. And how does he come? Well, there's this great big battle. Israel being a nation again is very interesting. This is the third nation of Israel. So a restored Israel does give us hope that there will someday be a restored temple. For years, people were saying it's impossible to have a second coming 
coming of Christ because Israel isn't a nation. Well, that changed in 1947 and 1948. Israel is a nation again. Some people have used the nation of Israel to say that this is all going to happen in our lifetime. But you have to remember, the first time Israel was restored under Ezra and Nehemiah, they came back, obviously, looking back with our 2020 hindsight, they came back in anticipation of the first coming of Christ. But between the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile and the first coming of Christ, there were 400 years. So Israel's being a nation again, it's significant. It fulfills prophecy, Isaiah chapter 11 specifically, other prophecies as well. But does it necessarily tell us we're living in that last generation? No, not necessarily. My point, however, is that Israel will be involved in this theater, these events that will happen at the end of the world. The nations of the world will surround Israel to attack her. When you look at how unpopular Israel is today, that's not too much of a stretch to believe that will happen. That's called the Great Battle of Armageddon, and Jesus will return and destroy the Antichrist and his armies, deliver Israel, in fact, by coming as a warrior king, and he will then rule the entire world with Israel as his headquarters. That's the stuff the Jews expected the Messiah to do the first time. It's because Jesus did not do that the first time, but instead died on the cross and rose from the dead, which was also prophesied, but that wasn't a prophecy about the Messiah that people were paying much attention to or expecting in his day. They were expecting a warrior king, and most Jews today will say he didn't come as a warrior king. That's why I don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. But the second coming, Jesus will do everything the Jews expected him to do at the first coming. So we know we're going to have this event known as the rapture. We know we're going to have this event known as the seven-year tribulation. But does the rapture come before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation? Let me give you a couple of answers. The first one, I do not know. Neither do you, neither does anybody else. The Bible is not that clear. My second answer, what the heck difference does it make? I know friends who went into churches wanting to raise missionary support. They were denied the support because they wouldn't sign a statement saying the rapture is going to come before the tribulation. Get this? Catching the grand picture here? They're going to go out and lead lost souls to Christ. They're going to deliver people from hell, but that's not as important as when the rapture and the tribulation is coming. We make too much of this. And in commenting on it today, I don't want to make too much of it. Still, we want to look at the Bible. These are interesting things. These are interesting questions. I do not know when the rapture is going to come. I don't know if it will be before the tribulation, during the tribulation, after the tribulation. Neither do I think it's that important. What's important is there will be a second coming of Christ. We don't have to know the day. There will be a rapture. There will be a tribulation. We don't have to know the order, okay? Having said that, as I study the scripture, I actually believe a better case can be made that the rapture follows the tribulation. I know that's what most of you don't want to hear. And again, I'm not saying I know for sure it will come out that way. I wish we had more information, but based on the information we do have, I think a case can be made. First of all, let's go back to this argument that the rapture has to come before the tribulation, because if we were in the middle of the tribulation, we would know the day and the time. It'll be in three and a half years. The Bible uses the word day very loosely. Christ's return is known as the day of 
the Lord. A day sometimes meant a literal 24-hour day, but sometimes it meant an event. Wars that lasted for years were called the day of the Lord. And so Paul and the others may just be saying that the day of the Lord refers to that final chain of eschatological events that will usher in the second coming of Christ. In other words, it might just be their way of saying that time when the Antichrist is revealed, which will usher in the last three and a half years, nobody knows the day or the hour when those events will begin. And I think that is the better case. I base that on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me read this to you. This is the the Apostle Paul writing the church of Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm beginning with verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the Antichrist. I told you he's sometimes called the man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? So they're referring to this event in the temple that I was alluding to and talking about. Now catch this. They were having a very similar problem in Paul's day of people saying, oh, the end's about to come. And in this case, they thought the end had already come. They thought the day of the Lord had already come. Well, they weren't thinking about the rapture. That doesn't mean they didn't understand that the rapture would come someday. Obviously, in the minds of this church, the day of the Lord was the coming of the end. Antichrist, the great tribulation. Because if they were referring to the fact that the day of the Lord meant the rapture, they'd all be wondering, well, then why are we still here? If that's the day they meant, they were meaning they weren't even going to be around. They were already going to be with Christ. They were talking about some event that Christians, living, breathing, mortal Christians in this world observed. And Paul's saying, no, the Antichrist has not come yet, or if he has, he can't possibly be identified yet. Why? Well, he tells them why. He reminds them. He reminds them of the event that will identify him very clearly. This event, which in other places of scripture is called the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist going into the temple, setting up a throne, and declaring himself to be God. He says, this has not yet happened. My point, my friends, is that in the minds of the Christians, the day of the Lord had something to do with the great persecution and tribulation. It had nothing to do with the rapture. Again, that doesn't mean there won't be a rapture. I just think it happens all at the end. Christ is coming down to slay the Antichrist. It's at the end of the seven-year tribulation. On the way down, he resurrects those who have died in Christ, and he also resurrects those who have not died in Christ. They transform from mortality to immortality in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, and that's known as the rapture of the church. I think this is a pretty good case, and especially when he says, our being gathered to him. That word gathered, while it's not that exact same word for rapture, that sounds like the rapture, a gathering of God's people. And Paul's saying that can't happen happen until the Antichrist first comes, and this is how the Antichrist is identified. So I think a better case can be made that the rapture will follow the tribulation. I wish that were not true, but that's what I see, and I only see it to a degree. I must admit there's not enough information here with which to be dogmatic, so I don't think churches should split over it. I would never insist before giving leadership to somebody or support to somebody that they have to hold my view, but that is my view. 
based on what I just read to you in Thessalonians, I believe the rapture and the second coming of Christ and his return to earth will all happen at the end. I do believe it will follow the Great Tribulation. And when will that happen? We don't know. At the moment, again, we don't even have a temple in Jerusalem, although God knows there's a lot of people there that would love to rebuild one. It will happen someday, maybe in a couple of years, maybe in a thousand years. We just don't know. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious.